Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening today. That seems kind of odd to say, doesn't it? So I'm in our sanctuary as I'm recording this, but you are not here. So you may need to just close your eyes and imagine that you're sitting here and that I am behind the pulpit, just like a regular Sunday. At the same time, though, we know that this is not regular, and it cannot be. As I've written before, what happens on a Sunday, as, uh, as the Holy Spirit meets a gathered church, the, the sort of mystical thing that happens then as we sing to one another, as we listen to God's Word being read together in one place, as we sit under the teaching of God's Word, that sort of thing cannot be replicated but in the absence of that, we've put this recording together, not, not to try our best to have church, but just to give you something that might focus your mind on this Lord's Day as you sit in front of your computer. And hopefully, knowing that a number of our people are listening to this at the same time will be of some benefit to you or to your family As it says on the email, we'll do some elements of our normal service today. You don't need to follow the order that you were emailed. You can just listen to this recording if you choose. But I've also sent out some links to songs. And just a couple of notes about that. The first is that when you click on the link, you might uh, get an advertisement. That's sort of just the nature of YouTube videos. And just wait five seconds or so, and then you'll see something that says skip ad. And you can click that, and it'll go right to uh, the recording. Number two, these songs were chosen to go along with our present situation with coronavirus and uh, and also to go together with the sermon. So some of them, we've never sung those in church, and and you can just watch if you'd like, but all of them will include words, and so you're free to sing along if you'd like as well. So with that said, we just want to welcome you wherever you are as you're listening to this. Uh, just a few things by way of announcements. There's obviously not a lot happening at the church in these days, but we are still uh, holding prayer meetings as long as we can. Those are Wednesdays from 7 till 8, and we've moved that from the fireside room into the foyer. Uh, during those times, what we usually do is start off with a short Bible study, and then we pray. And so what I plan to do, just in response to someone that uh, asked on, on an email, is that we're going to send out that passage and maybe a few prayer items, a bullet list of prayer items, and that way we can really make this, if you choose to join with us, as a, as a combined congregational time of prayer. So that would be Wednesday between 7 and 8. Secondly, we've only canceled services for the next three Sundays, you might have noticed on the announcement that was sent out. We purposely didn't put down canceled indefinitely because we want to constantly be evaluating the situation to see if there is a time that we can meet again. And then thirdly, we'll try our best to keep you informed, mostly through email, but also by using other means of communication, uh, such as this website that you're on right now or our church Facebook page, if you're on Facebook, and yes, even the old telephone. Anyways, that's all the announcements. And I just encourage you to hear this as our call to worship this morning. It comes from the little book of Nahum, chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, The Lord is good, Yahweh is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. 
Let us pray. Father, we thank you for that very simple but very concise word. The Lord is good. You are good. And in this present day of trouble, your people can take refuge in you. And so I pray that this might indeed be a time of refuge, a time when all the chaos of this present world can be put aside, that this might be a time when we can hear your voice as you speak through your Son and through your Word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you'd like, you can pause the recording at this point and listen or sing along with the first few songs following your service order. And then after those are done, click play again for the scripture reading and pastoral prayer from Pastor Andrew. Hello, church family. This is Pastor Andrew, and I'm going to read for us from Psalm 46 today. So I would encourage you to turn there with me at home with your Bibles, or just listen along as we hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. And as we do every Sunday when we are together, let's have a time of prayer together now. Lord God Almighty, in your presence all of creation trembles and bows down. And we approach you today in awe and in reverence. Teach us to fear you in a way that is right and good for us. We want to order our steps in constant awareness of the fact that our days are known to you and our very lives depend on you. You are with us. You sent Jesus to reveal to us who you are. You sent Jesus to cover our sins with his sacrifice. You raised him from the grave by your Holy Spirit to establish his victory over sin and death and the powers of darkness. Because we know you and approach you through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we know that you are our help in troubled times. 
We know that you are our comfort in all places. We pray that many more people from every, every nation in the world would come to trust you for the, their salvation. We pray, Father, that the situation the whole world is facing today would be used by you to bring hearts to repentance and faith. We pray that you'll be at work in our hearts and lives to grow us into people who glorify you and magnify the riches of your goodness toward us. Teach us to be still during this chaotic time. Teach us how to be still and to know that you are God in control. Prepare us to lean on your grace for the challenges that we will face when we will not have the patience or the ability to handle them well on our own. Prepare us to be content, perhaps, with less than what we have gotten used to. And through that, teach us to have more joy in the good things that we have received from your hand. I pray for children and for parents, for nerves that are frayed and patience stretched beyond its, its natural capacity, I pray that you will give us the ability to forgive one another, to be gracious and kind with one another as we make mistakes and learn from them. Help us to look after one another with the love you have had for us, the love you showed us when you gave yourself for us through Jesus. I pray for those in our community who are lonely and isolated. Keep watch with them, Lord. Be present. And be merciful, too, in your protection over those whose health is the weakest and most threatened by the effects of catching this virus. We know that nothing happens beyond your sovereign control. And we trust in that at this time. We pray for men, women, and children around the world living without many of the comforts and safeties that we have. For those who don't have the medical care and access to shelter and food that is ours, for the billions of people who, if they are going to hope, must hope in you, Father. We pray for them, knowing that you are there and that you are good. We think of our government and we pray for their salvation. We pray that as they come to the end of their own wisdom and ability, that they would come to know that you are Lord of all the earth. And that they would know Jesus as the one who saves them in their need. We pray that they, uh, that they would do their jobs well. We, we know that they've been appointed by you for this time. To help them with wisdom and endurance as they bear the load of leadership. They're human. They are frail and they are prone to error. But we take comfort in the fact that you, Lord, have put them where they are. And you do not slumber or sleep. You are not caught unaware. And it is in you that we trust. We pray for our missionaries, for those returning to Canada and those continuing to serve you where you have placed them. We pray for your protection on them and for your will in the lives of those they serve. We thank you for the news that Trevor and Norma Douglas have arrived safely back on Canadian soil by the goodness of your hand. And we pray that you will continue to be the work behind their work in the Philippines, even while they are away. We pray for those who work in hospitals, give them strength when they are weak, 
and teach them to lean on you, work through them, and help them to do their jobs with excellence. We give you thanks for all of the ways that you have provided for us. We worship you, and we trust in your ability to provide for our needs now, as always. You are our shepherd. And Father, we give you and you alone the glory for all that you have done and are doing and will do, because it is in Jesus' name that we are privileged to bring these things to you in prayer. Amen. You may hit pause now and listen to the second set of songs. Well, here we are. I'm in an empty auditorium. It is Sunday morning. This is kind of strange, but I trust that the Lord will use even this during this time to minister to your souls. Let's bow again in prayer. Father, at times like this, we're so grateful for your unchanging word. We are grateful for the truth. Yes, the truth that sets us free, but also the truth that calms all fears. Father, we pray now that your spirit would take your word and apply it to our hearts, such that it would be an ointment for our weary souls. We pray that your word would encourage us and challenge us and empower us. We pray most of all that it would cause us to run to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, for a while there, I thought I might try to preach on something that speaks to our current situation of virus and shutdown and uh, the panic that has ensued, at least in many quarters. We, We could maybe address topics like how to deal with our fear or how to rest in God's sovereignty, maybe how to have peace in chaotic times. But the more I thought of it, the more I looked at the text that we would have normally preached in our series in Philippians, the more I noticed that this text fits very well with our current situation. And so we're going to stay right in Philippians. If you're one of those who, who, who bought one of those Philippians journals that uh, you may have been using through this series, you may just want to hit pause and, and go and grab it. Isn't it nice that you can do that this morning? We're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. Actually, Pastor Andrew touched on the first part of this section last week, up to verse 24. But I want to go back to verse 19 and read to the end of chapter 2. So Philippians 2, verse 19. So reads the word of the Lord. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that Shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, 
and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. The thing that struck me in a new way this week about this whole letter, actually, of Philippians is that the writer, the Apostle Paul, was under quarantine when he wrote this. It was kind of a forced quarantine in that he was in chains. He was imprisoned, and so he wasn't self-isolating, but he was isolated nonetheless. Yet that didn't deter from his mission. His mission that was given to him by Jesus on the road to Damascus, his mission to get the gospel to the Gentiles, his imprisonment did not stop that mission. In fact, we might argue, as we've seen, that Paul saw his forced quarantine as helping his cause rather than hindering the spread of the gospel. Paul's being in chains were God's means of advancing the gospel. Paul did it by writing letters, like this one, to churches. And as these letters were read in churches, Christians were encouraged in their faith and went out and proclaimed Paul's message. They went out and preached the gospel. And the church grew. It expanded. Fellow Christians, that ought to get us to think about whether God might be using this moment in history, this momentous time to advance the gospel. On the surface, this also looks like it might be a hindrance to the gospel, does it not? After all, churches all over the world, literally all over the world, are unable to meet. It looks from the surface, like the proclamation, the progress of the gospel has hit a roadblock, has been shut down, at least for this short time. But if you look at Paul, or if you look through the book of Acts, which details the expansion of the church, or if you look at any moment in history where the church has been silenced, whether that be through persecution or disease or anything, God uses all kinds of what appear to be devastating circumstances for the cause of the gospel to not only keep it going, but also to keep it flourishing and to start great movements, great advancements of the gospel. Might this be such a moment? I wonder. Might God use this moment for the same thing? I encourage you to keep your antennas up for what God might be doing. But I also encourage you to be looking for opportunities to advance the gospel in these days. What could you do while you are isolated? 
Or to put it in Paul's language, how can your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ in spite of these present restrictions? Maybe you can encourage someone just by your voice. Even before this happened, we've been living in a time when face-to-face conversations have taken a a backseat to texting and emailing. But now, that face-to-face option is, now that it's more or less out of the question, could you use FaceTime or Zoom or Skype to get a group of you together in one virtual place for a time of Bible study or a time of prayer? Or could you just on your own text or email or telephone to check in on someone or to encourage someone or to share the gospel with someone. You know that you have two advantages right now. First one is that people don't have a lot of other distractions these days. That could normally be an excuse. And it's likely people aren't sure about what's coming next. That makes this a good time to tell someone why you're hopeful why you're confident, why you're trusting in Christ even in these days, in these uncertain days. Paul, for his part, didn't have this kind of technology available to him. Imagine if he did, where he could interact with his closest friends at a moment's notice. In fact, in all of his letters, you can get a sense of how he longs for his friends and how he yearns for fellowship, how he how he misses his partners in the gospel when they're separated. You can see it here in how he talks about these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. These were two of his close friends and colleagues. In the case of Timothy, Paul was his mentor. Paul saw him as his son in the Lord. In the case of Epaphroditus, if you go down to verse 25, he just piles on the platitudes. He calls him my brother, calls him my fellow worker, a fellow soldier. This was the guy that had been down in the trenches with Paul fighting for the gospel. He and Epaphroditus were comrades in arms. Well, Paul's going to introduce us to these two friends here. They might be introductions for us, but the Philippians knew these men. They'd both been in Philippi before, maybe Maybe with Paul the first time he passed through, back in Acts 16. And now Paul was about to send them back over there, back into Philippi. Verse 19, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. And verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus. But we're going to find out that this is not just some kind of a business trip for these guys. Remember that Paul had a heart for those people over in Philippi. He was concerned for their progress and joy in the faith, as it said back in chapter 1, verse 25. He wanted them to stay united. Paul thought so highly of the Philippians that he decided to send them his best guys. This part of the letter is intensely personal. Because in order to send his best guys away, it meant that they'd have to be separated from Paul. And that pained him. He was willing, though, to share them with the Philippians for their benefit. 
but it would come at a personal cost to Paul. It meant physical separation. Brothers and sisters, in this strange moment, when we're essentially forced to be separated from each other for a time, this passage is going to show us the value of Christian relationships. Sometimes I think we take those for granted. I know I do. I just sort of assume I will see everyone again next week, if not during the week. Well, maybe one of the outcomes of this separation, this prolonged separation, hopefully not too prolonged, is that we'll place a higher value on those relationships. Maybe not yet after one Sunday, but if the weeks go on, I pray that we will feel the pain of absence. Maybe absence will make our hearts grow fonder. If that's one outcome of this, then I truly believe it's a good thing. Divinely orchestrated by God to make us place a higher value on one another. So, what of these two men? Paul is intending to send Timothy soon. Not yet. Notice in verse 19, or verse 23, I hope to send him just as soon as I see it, how it will go with me. But he's going to send Epaphroditus right away. Verse 25, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. It's likely that Epaphroditus was the guy that took this letter to Philippi. But I want to spend the time that we have left to see why Paul thought so highly of these two that he would send them over there to Philippi. Of Timothy, he says, I have no one like him. What was it about them? And what can we learn from them when it comes to the importance of fellowship? Of the importance of having close friends and colleagues in the church? Well, we'll see here that each one of them has one defining quality, according to Paul. If you were to have outlines in your bulletins today, those would be, that would be the outline. These two defining qualities, one of Timothy and one of Epaphroditus. For Timothy, you see it there in verse 20. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy was very valuable to Paul. He served with Paul in the gospel. He was useful to Paul. Just down in verse 22, he says that Timothy served with Paul in the gospel as a son with a father. Timothy was likely there in Rome with Paul. He may have served Paul while Paul was in chains as he was able to visit with Paul. But they had a super close-knit relationship all the way along in all their travels. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, Paul calls Timothy his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, Timothy, my true child in the faith. Paul was Timothy's mentor. Timothy was Paul's disciple. But Timothy also had become Paul's co-laborer in the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, Paul calls him our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. They were partners in the work of the gospel. Timothy was useful to Paul. 
But it was because he was so useful that Paul knew that he had to send him away to Philippi. Why? Because Timothy's heart was with the Philippians. Timothy was genuinely concerned for their welfare. He's not just, Paul's not just sending someone over there to deal with an issue. He's sending someone who cares about their lives and their growth and their unity. It is a genuine concern. That word genuine is the opposite of the people over in chapter 1, verse 17, who were taking advantage of Paul. It described them there as not sincere, literally ungenuine, as opposed to Timothy, who had a genuine concern. Timothy had no selfish motives. Verse 21 brings that out. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth. It's making a contrast there between some others who were self-interested and Timothy. You think of those words, own interests. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It goes back to earlier in chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you not only look, let each of you, sorry, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Timothy had proven himself to not be concerned for his own interests. He was genuinely concerned for their welfare. Their welfare. We could say he was genuinely concerned for their spiritual health. There's a lot of concern for everyone's physical health today, isn't there? As well there should be. And the church is involved in this concern. We're trying our best to show our genuine concern for our neighbors, for the most vulnerable, for our elderly, for our health care system, so that it doesn't get overextended. This is just one way, some of the ways that we can shine as lights in this present moment, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, in the midst of a world that is presently in the grip of fear. But brothers and sisters, this moment also drives home the need to show genuine concern for each other's spiritual welfare. Not just our physical welfare, but our spiritual welfare, for our spiritual health. Is this our defining quality as a church? Are we genuinely concerned for each other's spiritual welfare? In a time of crisis like this, when we can literally watch people's self-interested motives being exposed as they store up toilet paper of all things and hand sanitizer and anything else they can get their hands hands on, are we known to be different? Are we concerned about storing up stuff for ourselves? Or is our concern redirected to the concerns of others and particularly to the issues of spiritual health? If nothing else... This moment, these mass shutdowns have given us time. That one resource that we always complain that we don't have enough of, right? Let us use this time to tend to each other's spiritual welfare. I mentioned some of the means we can use to do that using technology, even during 
even during this time of distancing. Let us leverage this time to meet one another's spiritual needs, to encourage each other in the Word, to unite our hearts in prayer, to serve each other like Timothy served Paul, or even more to the point, like Jesus served us. Well, let's look at the other team member, the other member of this team of that, that, that Paul parachutes over to Philippi, this man named Epaphroditus. Unlike Timothy, who shows up in other places in the New Testament, everything we know about Epaphroditus is right here in Philippians 2. We've already said that Epaphroditus was the letter carrier. We've seen how Paul described him there in verse 25 as my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. He carried Paul's message. He was the courier. But he was also one of Paul's top guys. Down in verse 29, he encourages the Philippians to receive him in the Lord and to honor such men. Epaphroditus was a man worthy of honor. But he was much more than that. He also had a special interest in that church over in Philippi, just like Timothy did. Verse 26, he has been longing for you all. Here's where I got the title of the sermon. He has been longing for them all. In other words, he's been, he, he'd been separated from them and was longing to see them again. He was just waiting for Paul to say, Go. And as soon as he got the word from Paul, he just had to get over there. And so I'll say it again. I am so praying that this separation would cause us to long for each other. I'm praying for health and I'm praying for all of that. But I'm really hoping that one of the things that the Lord is purposing for this time, for this absence from one another, is to create a longing for fellowship. To, to really help us see that our coming together is indispensable for our spiritual growth. That would bring us to the point where we, where we break out of old habits. Where we not even give ourselves the option to neglect meeting. I'm hoping that this time away from each other shows us how much we need one another and how much we need to be together so that we can stir one another up to love and good deeds. So that we can encourage each other. And that is all the more important as we see the day drawing near. And just in case that sounds familiar, I'm not making that up. That's right from Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. I pray that when we again are able to gather, that we would, as it says in Philippians 2.28, rejoice at seeing each other again. That it might be a joyous homecoming, a joyous reunion. I would love, in God's providence, by the way, if it happened for Easter Sunday, wouldn't that be great? That we not only celebrate the resurrection, but that we celebrate the meaning of our life together, of our new life together as believers. 
Isn't it interesting that one of the things that was distressing Epaphroditus was that they had heard that he was ill. End of verse 26. And Paul confirms in verse 27 that he was ill near death. Paul had a personal interest in Epaphroditus' physical health because it had a bearing on the fellowship he so coveted with his fellow soldier. Illness has that effect, doesn't it? If the ill, near-death person is a Christian, death is ultimately gain for him. Right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But for those left behind, it is sorrow upon sorrow. What's lost is that depth of Christian fellowship. Paul wrote that God not only had mercy on Epaphroditus and healing him, but he had mercy on Paul too by not taking away his comrade in the cause of the gospel. Epaphroditus wanted to make sure the Philippians didn't worry about his condition, and so he wanted to get over there. And Paul was willing to send him off. He wanted the Philippians to rejoice at seeing Epaphroditus again. But what was Epaphroditus' defining quality? If Timothy was defined by his genuine concern for the Philippians, what about Epaphroditus? Well, we finally see that way down in verse 20. In the letter, Paul tells them to honor Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. To Epaphroditus, the work of Christ was worth dying for. It was worth risking his life. Epaphroditus was willing to risk his life to serve Paul. That word that's translated risk his life literally means to expose to danger. Isn't that a description of what's been going on this last week? As this virus becomes more prevalent, people are risking their lives. We're all being told to keep our distance. But that's not possible for all the frontline healthcare workers. For them, they have to get right in there. They haven't got the option of distancing. Their protection is masks and gloves and those kinds of things. But when they're in there caring for patients, they're exposed to danger. They're risking their lives. Epaphroditus was willing to risk his life for the work of Christ. He was willing to get in there. He was willing to risk his life in the service of Paul in this case. But this was Epaphroditus' defining quality. This is the quality Paul holds up for the Philippians as he sends Epaphroditus to them. This is why they would be able to receive him in the Lord with all joy and to honor men like him. But the question is, the question I was asking is where were Timothy and Epaphroditus getting this impulse? What, what made these men have these extraordinary defining qualities? What made Timothy put aside his own interest to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of others? What made Epaphroditus be willing to nearly die and to risk his life in service to Paul? I'll tell you what. They had the mind of Christ. 
Paul is holding up these two men as examples of what Paul was calling for up in verse 5 when he wrote, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing and took the form of a servant and humbled himself even to, to the point of death. Therefore, God exalted him, God highly exalted him, and so forth. Paul was sending them two men, listen, who resembled Jesus Christ. He wasn't just sending his best men, he was sending them men who had the mind of Christ. Timothy resembled the one who was so concerned about his people that even though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself and humbled himself and became a man. That is the epitome of genuine concern for our eternal welfare. Timothy resembled Christ. Epaphroditus, he nearly died and risked his life. Jesus did die. He did give up his life so that we might live. These were not just ordinary men that Paul was sending. These were men who had been chained, who had been transformed, who had been changed by Christ and who were now willing to follow him and to serve him for the good of others. This is what having the mind of Christ looks like on the ground. It looks like Christ. Brothers and sisters, may these days of chaos and fear bring Christ out in each one of us. May they bring Christ out in all of us. May we have the mind of Christ in this situation. Even as we are isolated, may we not seek our own interests. May we not go into self-preservation mode. But may we be genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. And may we be willing to sacrifice and to serve whatever the cost, even to our own lives. I'm not talking about taking unnecessary risks physically, but may we be willing to risk, to sacrifice, and to take calculated risks in the work of Christ and in the work of the gospel. In these hours, your fellow believers need to be strengthened with the gospel, and unbelievers need to hear the gospel. May we be willing to spend ourselves in the service of this glorious gospel for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his people, for the sake of the unconverted. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you for the example of these men these men that Paul sends out and holds up as examples of Christ-likeness. May we even now receive them and honor them as people who were changed by Christ and then came to resemble Christ. But more than that, help us to be these kinds of people, especially in this day. Help us to use this unique time first just to rest in you and to fill ourselves up with truth and to serve our families, 
But help us also to view this unique time as an opportunity. As an opportunity to love our neighbors and to serve others. But more than that, as an opportunity to show genuine concern for the spiritual welfare of one another. And as, an op- and, and as a willingness to spend ourselves for others. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening in today. May God bless you. Uh, Please let us know if we can serve you in any way. Uh, We've got a growing list of people actually in the office that we're keeping track of who have called us and said they're willing to help in whatever way they can, whatever needs to be done on a practical level. So So if you can't get out, if it comes to the point where you need to self-isolate, please call us and we can get you whatever you need or figure out a way to do that. And if you have any spiritual needs or even just want to talk or pray with someone, please call me or call Pastor Andrew or call one of our elders. Our office is going to be open again on Tuesday, but you can email us or call us at any time. Hear this benediction as we close. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.